Hi everyone, this is the Supported Sobriety Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm in recovery from an addiction to pornography. And I'm Katie, and I've been married to Matt and supporting him in his addiction for four years. We created this podcast to bring hope, healing, and greater understanding to both men struggling with pornography addiction and women who support someone struggling with an addiction. I upload episodes for men with pornography addictions. And I upload episodes for the women who are supporting their loved one. We share real stories from members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but anyone is welcome to listen, and we believe everyone can benefit from finding peace through Jesus Christ. We hope that this podcast can bring you closer to Jesus Christ and help you on your journey of recovery and healing. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Supported Sobriety. Hi everyone, this is Katie. I hope you have all had a really great week so far. And I am excited to share another great episode with you. But first, I just wanted to say that Matt and I are so thrilled because we get to do our first fireside this weekend. We're both really excited, but also kind of scared. Public speaking is kind of my biggest nightmare. I get so scared. It honestly is my greatest fear. But thankfully, it's over Zoom. So I am feeling a little bit better that it's over Zoom, that I don't have to stand up in front of people. But Matt is a little more nervous that it's over Zoom. So we'll let you know how that goes. And we are just really excited to share more of our story and the things that we've learned with other people. And hopefully we'll just be able to inspire people and help people feel hope and help people feel that they're not alone in whatever journey they're going through right now with this. And if you're interested in having us come to your ward or stake to do a fireside, let us know. We are just so anxious to get the word out to more people so we can help as many people as we can. So now I'll introduce my guest named Savannah. And I think Savannah is so awesome. I really, really like Savannah. She is an amazing person. She seems like she's an amazing support person to her husband. And I think she's just a wonderful woman. So Savannah and I talk a lot in this episode about boundaries and why boundaries are so important. We kind of talk about some examples of boundaries, how to set them, how to agree on boundaries. And I just think boundaries are so important and something that everyone needs to learn whether you're dealing with an addiction in your marriage or not. Boundaries are important. I read something the other day uh, on Instagram from a therapist and she said, boundaries are about me, agreements are about we. And so basically that means a boundary makes you as an individual feel safe. That is why you set boundaries. So you can feel safe. You can feel like you are being respected. So when you set a boundary, it doesn't really have to do with your spouse or what your spouse thinks. You just need to think about what is best for you and what's going to keep you safe. And as far as agreements go, that's something where you can kind of compromise on. You can say, this is something that I kind of need. What do you feel about that? And you learn to agree and compromise and make an agreement about that. And both of those things I feel like are very important in marriage, but especially when it comes to addiction. So hopefully this episode can kind of give you some more information about boundaries and that you can feel a little bit more confident when you're setting those boundaries in your marriage. So here is Savannah. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, I am here with Savannah, and I'm so excited to hear your story. It seems like a great one, so (laughs) I'm excited to hear what you have to say to us. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're so awesome. I'm excited to hear. So why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, I grew up here in Utah, just in Springville, you know, south of Provo. Um, I have been here basically my whole life. I went to school at Utah State University, 
I have my bachelor's degree in human development and family studies, which has been really great. Um, yeah, and right now I'm just kind of taking a break from school. Oh, not school. I'm taking a break from work, and we're um, just preparing to welcome a baby into our family right now. So, so exciting. And you're doing a few months, right? In March, yeah. Fun. That is awesome. Is, does it feel like it's getting close, or does it feel like it's just taking forever? Well, now it's starting to speed up. Yeah. <laughs> we're almost in February. I'm like, oh my goodness, we need to start buying stuff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Is it, And this is your first, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's having your first is so exciting, but it does feel like there are tons of things to do, like buying all the things, clothes and equipment for a first baby. So right. Yeah. <laughs> a handful. Starting fresh. So. Yeah, exactly. But that's kind of fun though, too. Yeah. And do you know if you're having a boy or a girl? Yeah, we're having a boy. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, we're uh, really excited. Yeah, both of both of my kids are boys. So I honestly was devastated when I found out that I was having a boy. For some reason in my mind, like I felt like I was going to have a girl first. My whole life, mm-hmm. I was like, I just know I'm going to have a girl. Didn't really think too much about it. So I was shocked and devastated when I found out that I was having a boy. And that is kind of embarrassing to admit, but I was like really sad about it. But of course, once I had him, I'm like, this is the best thing ever. I would never change it. I love him so much. Now I love boys. So right. Yeah. I think you always want your own gender. Yeah. I know. But then it'll work out. I'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So are you excited to have a boy or do you feel, were you kind of hoping for a girl or you don't have to admit it if you don't want to. No, it's fine. I, from the beginning, I accepted we were having a boy because there's already, I have two nieces. There's no boy in the family. So I was like, Uh we're going to have a boy. It's okay. Yeah, for sure. You're like, we'll have a girl Yeah, it's my life to have the boy of the family. Right. (laughs) People are like, it doesn't work like that. I'm like, but it kind of does. You're like, yes, that's what happens. No, you'll love it. I'm so excited for you guys. Boys are great. Yes. So what do you do for work? Yeah, so I'm currently not working. I was trying to get into the field a little better. I mm-hmm. graduated in December um, and was job searching. And then nice. COVID happened and I didn't find anything in the field. So I was just right. kind of doing stuff that wasn't related to my field. Oh, okay. Um, and then, yeah, I haven't worked since like August. Mm-hmm. And so we're just preparing for the baby just nice. after a few months of knowing we were pregnant and we we're like let's just take time off and oh for sure yeah so that is hopefully so nice. hopefully I'll go to graduate school in yeah. like a year or two and cool. become a marriage and family therapist so that's the end goal that's awesome well that's nice that you can kind of have a little bit of a break right now you deserve it yeah thanks <laughs> pregnant is a whole job so yeah <laughs> good for you for taking time and that's awesome and that'll be yeah. fun for you to go to graduate school yeah. Baby, so yeah I'm excited I'm looking forward to that part that is super exciting well cool I loved getting to know you a little bit so mm-hmm. I just wanted to ask you a little bit about your story as far as um your husband's addiction goes you guys have been married for two years is that right correct okay, yeah awesome. so yeah. Yeah, go ahead and start telling me like how you met your husband and how that all started. Yeah, so we actually met in high school, like first day, sophomore year. Um, we met in seminary class, which Cute. is like totally cheesy, but yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> um, so we met there and um, we never really like talked very much. Um, 
we like slowly got to know each other over a year and I was really good friends with his older sister who's two years older than us and then finally the next year came and he like asked me to homecoming because she was like you should ask Savannah I'm like okay (laughs) so and then after that we just ended up just staying together so yeah we have been dating since we were 16 so we were babies oh that is so cute though I love that (laughs) yeah but you know like because of knowing that this addiction was a part of like his past Mm -hmm. that definitely like prolonged us like getting married not necessarily like I guess I don't know prolonged is the right word Mm -hmm. but just like taking things a lot more things into consideration Mm -hmm. just like being really thorough about our relationship making sure we were really strong in our relationship before jumping into something that was such a big commitment you know so yeah even though like met when we were 16 we didn't just like get married out of the gates we didn't get married until like seven years later I think we were like 23 so that's awesome that's so smart yeah um and then you asked about how I found out about the addiction yeah. Uh-huh. yeah so it had been like a year after we had dated so we were probably like 17 at the time and he just was like I have something I feel like I should tell you he's like I have this pornography addiction um you know and he kind of explained like it first started when I was like 12 like I was really really young that was the first time I was exposed but then like got cleaned up and didn't do it years and years and then exposed again and so I just felt like I should tell you and I was like okay thanks for telling me um like I felt like really he did me but you know we were still so young that it was kind of like thank you for telling me like I'm here to support you but I feel like our story is like a little bit different in that way where I didn't feel like a huge burden necessarily. It wasn't like something that necessarily affected me yet. I knew like it wasn't like my fault or like, like sometimes women feel that when they found out when they find out like while they're already married uh-huh. or like before they get married, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot more women take the responsibility onto them. And so I feel like we're a little unique in that way where we were so young and I was just like, okay, like, thank you for telling me. And I'm just here to support you. Yeah. That's really great that he was able to turn to you and that he was felt like he could be honest with you about that. And then you were able to support him. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like we've been lucky that I've known for so long. So there's, there hasn't ever been like a shock factor, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Especially when, like you said, you found out kind of early on and it didn't affect you that much. You were just kind of like, oh, this is something about Mark that I know. And it was never like this big reveal or something, you know? Right, right. And I think also like a lot of women think that like, maybe it's like their fault or like if they find out in marriage and it's nice for me to be able to think back like, no, like this started when he was 12. And then like, again, when he was like 17, like Mm-hmm. This isn't like my fault. I can like think back, like this is where it originated and like, it's okay. Like right. just keep moving forward. And so, yeah, it's been, I feel like it's been a benefit to have known for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I bet something that you mentioned earlier when we were talking is about how you felt like you were wanting him to be sober for a year before you guys got married. Yeah. So we had dated for a very long time before we had like finally started thinking about mm-hmm. getting married and we were like okay now we kind of figured out everything in our relationship but we have like this one last 
affecting this addiction. So like, what, what do we think is like an acceptable goal and to feel okay about getting married? And Mm -hmm. we were like, you know, I feel like if you were sober for a whole year, then, then that would be like the okay of getting married. Like that seems like what people are doing. Right. I don't know. No one really talks about this. And so, yeah, it was like a huge relief to find out like people didn't do that. People didn't put like a huge expectation on themselves to be like, okay, well you have an entire year. And if you mess up, then the year starts over and like, yeah, uh-huh. we're probably never going to get married. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was really nice to, to like meet other people who had been gone, who had gone through this, mm-hmm. who were married and to find out like they didn't have to put that sort of expectation on themselves. Right. Or like they're still in marriages that this is still a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, you just think if they're married, it must not be a problem anymore. Right. Yeah. And something that I love that you said too, when you went to that first meeting, especially that you felt like, like you were saying, oh, this is normal. This is okay for people to be dealing with this and you can still have a happy marriage and a happy relationship, even if you were struggling with an addiction. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, like you just assume that everybody's marriage is like happy and perfect. Yeah. Like there are no problems, no addiction in anyone's marriage. Yeah. Right. Because I feel like you only hear stories about, um, at least like perspective from women, Mm -hmm. you know, you only hear about women being with people who have this addiction if they're like dating and then they like broke up with them. Like no one talks about it. Even if they're in the relationship, they don't tell anybody until after they broke up and they're like, why'd you guys break up? He's like, well, you had an addiction, right? You know, uh-huh. and like, yeah. oh, no. like, and you just assume that everybody breaks up. Like, if that's a part of the relationship, they just break up because mm-hmm. that's like, the right thing to do. But right. I think it's important to teach women that that's not the only acceptable mm-hmm. thing to do. Like, it's okay to stay in a relationship. It's okay to get married to someone who has an addiction. Um, but as long as like you're working hard and you're committed, it's okay to. To, to be in a relationship like no one should feel guilty for being in a relationship that has this addiction mm-hmm, totally and like you might feel kind of weird that you're sticking around with the guy yeah. right like people are gonna judge me and think why are you still with him why are you still married to him if he has any kind of addiction but there isn't a lot of understanding about that that you can have a very happy marriage if you do have an addiction, if your husband has an addiction and it's okay to be working through something like that. Right. And I think that's why also like a lot of women don't tell their friends, right. Like, I'm dating someone, but he does have an addiction or like, yeah, we are going to get married, but he has this addiction because mm-hmm. people are like, oh, you shouldn't be together then. Yeah, Actually, everything so- else is so great and we're working through this. So I, yeah, right. I think that's a great thing for women to hear that you can be in a relationship that has this mm-hmm. addiction, but like, especially if you have certain goals and mm-hmm. um, you're like really being committed to overcoming it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, like that might not be the right choice for every woman and every right. relationship, right? Like just because I have an addiction doesn't mean, okay, you, you can stay with them or you should stay with them. It's just so different for everybody. And that's where you have to receive revelation for yourself and for your relationship and just kind of figure out how this is going to work later when you are married like you were saying like you guys were very thorough and really talked about those things before you got married 
and you knew it was going to work. You felt safe in your relationship. So you right. went forward. Yeah. And whenever new women come to the group, mm-hmm. they all, and usually they're dating. They yeah. always, always, always ask like, well, how do you know if you should get married? Like, you know, how do you, how do you get to that point? And mm-hmm. I always just tell them if you have trust in the relationship, if he's being honest, then that should, that should be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like if he's ever not being honest with you or um, you can't trust him in this, or it doesn't seem like he is committed to like working through the steps, then those are red flags. So yeah, mm-hmm. there are some people who they don't end up getting married to them or they do end up breaking relationship. But I tell these women all the time, like the reason why you break up should not be because of their pornography itself. It should be because of the outside factors of he is being secretive. He Mm -hmm. isn't being honest. You know, those are reasons in any relationship. doesn't matter if it's pornography or not. If he's not being honest with you, then that's something to work through. But yeah, if, if he has other qualities, then you can overcome this addiction together. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of women need to hear that, that there's so many other qualities to a man and it, it doesn't matter if it's like, addiction or not you know it's important to care about these other qualities yeah I I totally agree with that I love that so you and your husband decided to get married and you've been married for two years how has that been going the last two years now that you are married yeah so it's been really good I did definitely feel another shift in like my role as a support person Mm -hmm. once we got married you know like I said when we were younger, I never took on the responsibility. I kind of felt like I did a little bit more once we got married. Like mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be the only person or thing or whatever that you're attracted to. And yet, like we still have this addiction going on in our lives. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's just one of the misconceptions about a pornography addiction. Like once you get married or once someone's like sexually active, I guess that mm-hmm everything is fulfilled their desires are fulfilled yeah right but Uh it's really important to understand that it has nothing to do with intimacy or like sexual desires it it's really like a mental health thing Mm -hmm. um it's they use this as their crutch for mental health and for dealing with stress and so I think that was something that I already knew but I need to relearn once we were married to be like okay it's not about me I just think that because now we're married and I, you expect things to get significantly better. And honestly, it, it did get better because, you know, living together, you are there to talk to each other all the time, which is really nice. So I, I would say that there are definitely benefits to being married, um, at least in our situation, but I, I know that's not the case for everyone. I know that things might even get harder because, you know, you have this huge change in your life. So maybe the addiction gets a little harder because they feel more stressed out. But yeah, I just think that that's the most important thing to know that it it doesn't have to do with you. It really has to do with their mental capacity. And just like, like once you understand that it's so much easier to like have empathy for them and to understand where they're coming from, instead of just like getting upset that like you should be able to make this choice or not, but, you know, but realizing, you know, I do things in my life that I have a crutch for my mental health you know I go like binge tv or something you know like that's not necessarily like coping mechanisms yeah Yeah. so it's just understanding that 
they use that as their crutch and we have things and to approach it that way rather than just getting upset. Right. I remember that took me a little bit to kind of understand that and to figure that out for myself, seeing my husband and his addiction and just kind of being like, what the, like, I don't get why you keep making these horrible decisions, right? Like we talk about it so often. He says he's going to stop or he says he's going to stop lying to me, but then he keeps doing it. And I'm like, I don't get where the disconnect is there, you know? So that was really frustrating for me for a really long time. And then I remember kind of like a clicking point, like a turning point almost for me, where I was like, oh, this is not about him wanting to make terrible decisions or him wanting to destroy our relationship or something. It's more just like you were saying about this is how he copes with difficult things in his life. And this is how he's been coping since he, my husband was eight or nine, probably when he kind of started that, you know, so it's just kind of a habit that you form and it's unhealthy and it's not sustainable for relationships. A lot of the time, if they're doing those unhealthy behaviors, but that's just the way that he copes with his life. And so that was something that I just kind of had to understand and figure out for myself, you know? Yeah, for sure. I think that all those points are really important for anybody to know. Yeah. Especially if like they're in a new relationship or they're just barely finding out about their spouse's addiction. Yeah. It's so important to learn the origins of the addiction and just that it really is a coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good coping mechanism, right? Yeah. We can't work at it. Um, (laughs) but understanding that is a lot easier to approach rather than just being like, you can't just make the right decision. Really? Like, Mm -hmm. come on, you know, but it's not, it's not like that. And, um, yeah, it's just a lot better to, to understand. Mm -hmm. I love that. It seems like you are so understanding of Mark and of his addiction and so loving too. I think like, I think that so many women have that strength, which is amazing to be loving and understanding, um, but not always about an addiction, you know, some, especially when it's something that is so personal to you. And when you're married or engaged and you have all these feelings and like you were saying, like you start becoming more intimate with each other and you maybe he's maybe breaking your trust. And there are so many different things that kind of complicate those feelings but I love that. I mean, I'm sure you've gone through that too, but I love that you kind of got into this place where you can just be very empathetic and understanding and patient with your husband. And I think that's so beautiful that you've been able to get to that point. Yeah. Thank you. And it definitely takes a lot of practice and it doesn't mean that I react that way every time. Yes, of course. I think like, it's really easy to do that when things are good. Mm-hmm. you know but right. then sometimes uh-huh. when I'm like wait you were doing so good and then you have a slip you know sometimes I might not react that way but I think that that attitude does help keep me grounded mm-hmm. um that yeah maybe when he does approach me and he tells me about a slip you know my emotions can be a little bit higher like it's mm-hmm. you know it is hard because it's not just because they had a slip but it's like you've been suffering like right. you like, I'm so sorry that you've been going through this and you've been suffering and mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you had to turn to that. Like, like, why didn't you talk to me? Like, I just mm-hmm. wanted to be there for you. So it, sometimes it can be hard and sometimes I can take it personally, but yeah, really understanding that core um, does help keep me grounded. And mm-hmm. so I don't think any woman should try to have like the perfect reaction every time. I think a lot of women stress about that. Like, mm-hmm 
he like I reacted badly so now it's my fault like no it's not your fault but just like learn from your reactions and if you do get mad that one time like it's okay but just try to have like the understanding so that later maybe you can talk it through a little bit better without having high emotions and I think you know that's important for both sides like that it's important for my husband to understand where I'm coming from as well and you know clearly when usually when you know he tells me about a slip we're both pretty upset Mm -hmm. but it's really nice that we've gone through this enough that maybe in that moment we can have higher emotions but then overall we can talk about it later in the day and you know, just have that, that grounded understanding of, okay, like, let's figure out like, what's really been going on. Like, Mm -hmm. it's because finals is this week, right? He's like, yeah, like, I've been really stressed out. Like, okay, like, that's okay. We can talk through it, you know? And so I just think that it is really important to try to have that empathy and understand, but then it's okay if, if maybe your emotions get high, because Mm -hmm. it's hard to normal about this. Like, you don't want anybody to to have this sort of addiction, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I totally agree. Any level of emotions or feelings is very normal, especially when you are finding out about the addiction or when you're hearing about a slip or whatever, it's normal to have those feelings. But I love what you're saying that you, it's something that you can work on and practice as a couple so you can communicate better. It helps you personally get through the situation better if you can kind of manage your reactions or manage your emotions a little bit and just practicing that you know it's it's not like it's going to be perfect every time and I've been going through this for several years and it seems like you've been going through this for a long time and it's still hard right it it seems like it might not ever be perfect where you're having the perfect reaction every single time but it can get better Right. And just like being um, like kind to yourself as well. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes I might react and I might just have complete empathy, but then other times I might, I might get more upset because we had like, we knew that maybe this situation he was going to be in was going to be one that was going to be harder. Mm -hmm. And maybe I found out he didn't follow all of like the guidelines. And so like, it's understandable to, to get upset other times, but just, just like be really kind to yourself because you know, this is hard for us too. And that's why there are groups for just the women. Yeah. For just people who can support, whether it's, you know, your spouse, the person you're dating, even your son, like mm-hmm. there's, it's important that we have groups for just women because it's hard for us too. Yes, definitely. And for the listeners, Savannah is a facilitator and you've been a facilitator for about two years. Is that right? Yeah. Maybe one year. What was it? 2019 that you said? Yeah, I think it was 2019. Now we started coming to the group meetings in May, 2018. And then I think it was about a year later. Yeah. In 2019 that I became a facilitator and I've been a facilitator ever since. Cool. I bet you're so good at that. (laughs) Thanks. I mean, I, I really enjoy being able to just like take in the women who just, I feel like they're just so fresh in the addiction and it's so vulnerable to come and so like I love to be able to be like it's okay like you have a place here and whatever your feelings are like you're validated in them and so yeah I love being able to be a facilitator because I get the opportunity to like specifically talk one-on-one to the new people who are coming Mm -hmm. into the group yeah yeah I bet you were so amazing at that and for you listeners, if you want to go to a group, you should pop on and go when Savannah is facilitating because she's amazing <laughs> and she can talk to you after or text you or whatever. She's so awesome. 
I wanted to ask you about those guidelines that you were kind of talking about, you having guidelines with your husband and kind of having boundaries with your husband. How have you been able to navigate that in your marriage? Yeah, so um, having guidelines and boundaries are so important. First of all, it kind of like puts responsibility into this. You know, we've kind of talked about how like it's okay to be in a relationship that has this addiction, Mm -hmm. but you need to ensure that you do have guidance and boundaries so that it's not just like you have no responsibility I don't don't care free reign yeah Yeah. that's not the case like even though I'm okay with being married with someone who has an addiction doesn't mean I'm okay with the addiction itself right Mm -hmm. you know and so having boundaries is super important and it really what's nice is that you can cater them really to yourselves um we usually start off trying to find like, okay, what are triggering situations for you? You know, for you or for Mark, mainly for Mark, but also for me too, you know? Okay. Yeah. So I guess really it goes both ways, but I guess we start off with him because, Uh you know, that's what you like first want to take care of. Like, let's take care of you first. You know, we just do that as women, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but we think like, okay, so like, what are some boundaries um, we can set in place. Like, for example, we just don't allow electronics into the bathroom. Mm -hmm. That is something that could be a triggering situation. And so neither him or I allow any electronics into the bathroom. And so Mm -hmm. that's just one example, um, for that. Another example, you know, maybe for a boundary for myself is it can be hurtful when you hear about a slip. And sometimes I don't feel like all that, um, desired when, you know, I hear that you just had a slip, like, I don't really want, like, I want to make sure that I'm taking care of myself as well. And so like, if there's a slip, then I just set the boundaries of when I want to be intimate next. Right. Like, I don't want there to be a slip and then be like, okay, yeah. Like, I don't care. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I don't feel like that. I'm not really in the mood for that. Like I don't feel desired for that. And so that's just kind of a boundary we've also set. Like if that happens, just have an understanding that I'm going to need a, a little bit of time mm-hmm. to make sure I'm okay. And to make sure that I don't feel um, like this is my fault or that like, mm-hmm. you know, women can like compare themselves as well. Like um, if you're having X, Y, Z thoughts, or you're looking at X, Y, Z, then I'm going to just be thinking about that. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be intimate together. And I don't want to I don't want to think about that <laughs> yeah. and myself and like it's not going to go well for either of us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's been a boundary that we've set in place to, you know, to make sure that I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Another boundary is just to, if a slip does happen that he tells me as soon as possible, mm-hmm. you know, cause it can be really hurtful to, if he doesn't think that he should tell me like, he's like, well, maybe I'll tell her this weekend. Right. Like there's so much rationalization that goes into that. And then they get more and more scared and then they maybe just don't end up telling you, which is not fun. Right. Exactly. And so in order to protect our relationship as a whole, we've had a boundary, like you tell me as soon as possible. And like, if you, if I find out that you don't, then we're going to have to have a pretty serious talk, you know, like Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of trust that's broken and there's going to be a lot of repercussions from that. So it's been really helpful and healthy to have that boundary of you tell me as soon as possible. And it's so much easier for me to react. Like I promise you, I will always react so much better. If you tell me as soon as possible, even if 
even if like I'm in a public setting and I'm like not in the mood to hear about it, like yeah. just tell me as soon as possible and we'll deal with it later, you know? Yeah. Just at least let me know. Right. But, yeah. I think those, I think boundaries are so important and it's something that I'm not sure if a lot of women understand for me, sometimes I feel insecure around the addiction that I'm being too controlling or that other people will view that I'm being controlling, that I have all these rules or Matt will think like, you're like the most controlling wife ever. Like, what are these rules? You know, but boundaries really are just about being safe for yourself and for your husband and in your relationship. So it's not controlling for you to say, there's no electronics in the bathroom. It's not a control issue. It's more just like, I personally don't feel safe in our relationship if there are electronics in the bathroom. So that is a boundary that I'm setting. Right. Right. Exactly. Like I, like, it's so nice to have that boundary because I never have to worry now. Exactly. If you go into the bathroom and I know for a fact, your phone is right next to me. I don't have to worry that anything's going on. there. Like I can trust you. So it, it really it builds, builds like those building blocks of trust to have that, you know, cause other than that, I'm just always going to be worried every single time. Like, mm-hmm. okay, you have your phone. Are you looking okay. at it? Or are you not like, mm-hmm. it's not a good enough boundary just to be like, we don't look at that stuff ever it's like Mm -hmm. no we're just going to take away the temptation right yeah exactly and boundaries will be different for every couple for every woman some women might feel like they need more boundaries some women might feel like they need less boundaries and again it's just depends on the level of safety that they need in their relationship and now that my husband has been sober for a couple of years it seems like we kind of have less boundaries and he doesn't cross them as much so we kind of don't need as many boundaries but when he was in the early stages of his addiction it felt like I needed a ton of boundaries and there were a ton of rules and so that just kind of comes with communication with your husband and trying to figure out what my boundaries are what his boundaries are and how to mesh those as a couple right and as you you know are practicing them for years and years you really don't need to like verbalize them Mm -hmm. once you've been doing them or once it's not really a problem anymore, it's so nice to not have to verbalize these boundaries. I think, like you said, so many women worry that they're like putting this onto their husband, like Mm -hmm. they're making these rules and um, yeah, they're being controlling. But, you know, if you make these boundaries together, it's just like a really nice understanding. And it's nice to not have to like, yeah, maybe at the beginning, it seems like it's a lot. But Mm -hmm. just in the end, it's, it's not about having specific rules. It's just about really caring for one another. Like yeah. I'm showing you that I care about you enough to set this boundary or I care about myself enough to set this boundary. Right. I think an easy way for women to set a boundary is to recognize in this situation, I have a lot of anxiety in this situation. I worry a lot in this situation. So I'm just going to bring it to my husband and say, hey, I worry a lot when you know I notice you have your phone in the bathroom what can we do to help that? He's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I had no idea that that was something you're worrying about. Let's just not have phones in the bathroom anymore. Like, okay, thank you so much. That's great. Uh And it's not really something we need to revisit ever, which is nice. Kind of on the same page. Right. And it seems like sometimes for me and my husband, like I said, it, he's been sober for a couple of years, but it still is difficult and we still have boundaries. I still feel triggered sometimes by what's going on or if he's like up late doing work or something. And there are still sometimes that I need to set boundaries. And even sometimes, especially in the early stages of his addiction, but sometimes even now when I come to him and I say, Matt, I think 
we need a boundary in this. Like, I don't want you to be on your computer at this time of night or on any websites. And he kind of gets defensive and he's like, gets upset about the boundary. And like you were saying, it might be really easy. It might be like, oh yeah, totally. Like I won't be on my phone in the bathroom. That's totally right. fine with me. But sometimes that might not be okay for your husband. And that's just when you have to really work on your communication and really figure out how to compromise on a boundary almost. Sometimes it feels like I, there are boundaries for me that I do not compromise on. Like this is what I need 100% to feel safe. And there's nothing you can say to make this better for me unless we have that boundary. And then there are some times where I'm like, this is my boundary. And then he kind of talks to me about his boundary and we might need to compromise. So each of us are feeling a little bit better about it, if that makes right. sense. Yeah. So again, it just depends on every relationship and depending on how your husband is reacting. I'm not saying that every wife can just be like, here are all my boundaries. And like, you have nothing to say about it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, a boundary. I think it even says that specifically in like the 12 step book for women mm-hmm. that it says like, it's something that you guys should be able to decide together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are those like exceptions that it's like, actually this one, I'm not willing to compromise on, you know, like mm-hmm. for example, you know, me and my husband, we just don't watch movies that have nudity in it. Yeah. We just don't. And that is not something I'm willing to compromise on. And, and I know that some women, their spouses feel like, well, it's okay. Like I'm fine. If I watch a movie that has nudity yeah. in it and the woman's like, no, that is not something I'm willing to compromise on. And that can be really hard. And you would think like, I think it's easy to assume, well, they should be on the same page as me, but there actually are women out there who struggle to make these boundaries with their husband. And I think it's important just to make the decision that there are certain things that I'm not willing to compromise on, but other ones, it is okay to be like, okay, you're right. I'm being a little irrational. I'm just like Uh extra worried about this if you're willing to talk, talk to me about it, right. Like have more open communication right. there might need to be, or maybe there's less of a rule around it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I love that. Boundaries are so important with your husband who has an addiction and with everybody in your life. Right. Like I, I think that everyone has boundaries with every person that, you know, sometimes you just don't know that you have boundaries because that person doesn't really cross them very often. Right. But some people might have more of a boundary up with a sibling or a distant family member or something than you might have with your husband or with your close best friend or something. So boundaries are just so important. And that's something that I'm always working on setting with my husband and with people around me. But it really is about love. Like you were saying, like, I love myself. I love you and our relationship enough to keep these boundaries and to feel safe. Right, exactly. And um. That reminds me of a quote that I recently read in a book that said, you know, boundaries are beliefs that I have about myself. Like, I believe that I should be treated kindly. I believe that I don't deserve to have this anxiety in my life. Like, I, I believe that I deserve really good friends. And so mm-hmm. I think it is such a good tool to use in all aspects of your life. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like I should have really good friends. And so this friend doesn't make me feel that great. I'm just going to decide not to hang out with them as much. That is a boundary that Mm -hmm. you don't really have to tell that friend that thing, (laughs) you know, that would maybe cause some trauma, but, um, it, it, it's so important to recognize those things in your life. And just, I think it's, it's just such a easy way to create such a better life for ourselves. I think as women, 
it's so easy for us just to be at the mercy to everyone else. Like I should, I should always do this for other people. Like I shouldn't put boundaries for myself. Like I should just be caring about other people instead, but boundaries are really a way to care about yourself and care about others in return. You know, if I'm going to keep hanging out with this friend, I'm probably not going to have very good feelings towards this friend. And so I'm going to set up a boundary. So I do have good feelings towards that, you know? And so I just think boundaries are really, really important in all aspects of our lives in work in school, um, just for our mental health. And I think even places like workplaces are starting to implement those Mm -hmm. as well, you know, find things to take care of yourself so that when you're here at work, you feel, um, you feel like you're happy, you know, just things like that. Uh I think it's really important to try to put in all aspects of your life. I love that. Absolutely. And if you as a listener are wanting to learn more about boundaries, you can check that out in step eight. It's called be firm and steadfast in the spouse and family support guide. And that is a really great chapter. I love it. And sounds like Savannah really loves it. And it's something that I have implemented in my life. And I keep trying to practice that because I'm not perfect at it, but I keep trying to do better and better. And it makes my life better. makes my relationship better. So you can go check that out. Is there anything else that you want to share about your journey or your experience, Savannah? I don't know if I can think of any specific story, but I just want to make sure that like all the women who are listening to this and even the men that like, this is something that can be worked through that you don't have to feel like you're isolated. um, If you're in a relationship that has a pornography addiction involved you know, there's so many more people than we even know Mm -hmm. that go through this and we can really be there to help one another and to support one another. And like, just to, to fight this addiction overall, like I think with more numbers and with more support, we really can help um, get rid of this industry that is so strong in the world today. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, I just encourage anybody who is feeling like they're isolated they feel like they're all alone I encourage them to come to the groups and even if your spouse or the person who you're with has this addiction and they don't want to come it can still be so beneficial to you as well just to know that you're not alone that there are things that you can work through even if your spouse isn't working through it Mm -hmm. absolutely and in the meetings even for women, you hear a lot about men getting sponsors, men having addiction, they get sponsors or support people. But also for women, I think it's really important to have a support person. And I was wondering, Savannah, if anyone reached out and is looking for a support person for themselves, would you be willing to do that for somebody? Yeah, for sure. I have loved being a support person for many women who have, who I've met through the groups. And yeah, I'm always willing to just be like a helping hand. I know that it helps a lot to be able to speak to another woman, just just speak to someone, an outsider to be like, I'm, I'm really upset. Like this just happened and I just need to be heard. Yeah. Cause we can't always like, you know, our spouses are great. We love them, but, um, it's, it's so beneficial to us to have someone else. So yeah, I, I am always open and willing to, to help anybody who wants a support person in this journey. Well, thank you so much. I know you would be so amazing. I wish that you were my support person when I was early on in my journey. I feel like I, I really could have used you or someone like you. And I just didn't, I didn't get a lot of help. It seemed like, and that was my own fault. I'm not 
saying that was someone else's responsibility, but I would have loved to have you as a support person. You are amazing. So well, I will definitely set you up with somebody if they reach out. And I know that you could really bless a lot of people's lives. And I know that you've already blessed a lot of women's lives as you shared your story. So thank you so much for being willing to do that. Yeah, of course. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I have really enjoyed this time to speak about my experiences. So thank you. Yeah, I have too. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to rate and review this podcast as well as share it with everyone you know. For information about the church's 12-step and support meetings, please visit arp.churchofjesuschrist.org. We encourage everyone to find a sponsor or support person. If you have any questions, feedback, are looking for a sponsor, or would like to be a sponsor, please contact us at sobrietypodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for more guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed, please contact us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.